0: I was in a YouTube dark hole, bottle and a half deep, probably, you know, five or six joints. I looked at my dog and I was about to get up and get in the truck and go to the highest bridge close to me. And uh, your video came across on YouTube. It's good to meet hey, you, man. Me too, man. Seriously, you Seriously, yeah. I'm really excited to obviously be here and, and get to share my story with you. And Yeah. Yeah. So it's so tell me where, where th- this part of your story begins. I played a, a good NHL career. I was in the NHL for um, four and a half years, and um, was really trying to figure out my how to how to play in the NHL. It's a weird it's a weird thing when you're not a superstar. I was kind of a grinder, one of the guys that really had to show that I could play. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I finally did that after four years, and finally felt established, and this is my career, this is I'm, I'm meant to be here. Um, that's kind of when. I started dealing with concussions and that sent me down a, a really bad path for, um, for almost three years and uh, I took two years off from the game while I was still in the NHL I signed a contract and didn't and played I signed a three-year contract and played 18 games on it through three years and uh, after that was kind of when the mental health really declined and um, just my life kind of un- unraveled in a way that I, I never could imagine. So. Uh, that's kind of where it where it begins tell
1: me i want to i want to zoom into that not to make this especially painful for you but because it's gonna inspire people when we hear the rest of the story and it's important to provide that context when you say your your life unraveled what what did that actually look like for you and had you had any mental health struggles or issues before that before yeah. the concussions.
0: No, I I, I kind of really didn't understand depression or anxiety. Um I was kind of a, one of those gifted kids growing up. I tried out for a team, I made it. I wanted to I wanted to go to college on a scholarship. I did that. And then it was like, okay, let's go to the it's time for the NHL. And when that happens, it's you know, <laughs> you're living out what you write in your kindergarten scrapbook, you know, I want to, I want to be you know, you've drawn stick figures at you yeah. with a hockey stick. And it was, it was truly like that. I mean, my, my entire life was devoted to hockey and, you know, I went to a great, a great school, but I didn't go there to learn. I went there to play hockey and mm-hmm. to excel in my career. And for 25 years, it's all I thought about all day, every day. And it's the one thing in my life that I just can't put words into how much like I love the game. Mm-hmm. It was truly like I, there was not a I I look forward to practices I look forward to the workouts I I look forward to the bus rides after the loss with the boys and just kind of everything that you wanted it to be it was you know and then all of a sudden it just kind of like that and then COVID hit and that kind of just kind of just killed me in a a weird way
1: what was actually like for you mentally when you say it killed you what what changed
0: um you know I identified as as a hockey player from the time I was, could speak, you know? I started skating when I was three, so for that to be stripped away from me in, in almost a blink of an eye, um, and that was something I really didn't have control of. It wasn't like I was playing bad or I didn't, you know, it was out of my control that I couldn't do what I loved or do what I thought I was meant to be. And um, yeah, that was a, a two and a half years of just pure misery and um, just not finding answers. So,
1: what role did the concussion injuries play? See, I understand how, if you, one of the things I, I think, I suspect I could be wrong, that you got from the game is a level of certainty. And what I mean by that is you put the work in and you get a result out. You did A, not saying A was easy because right. it wasn't yeah. at all. But you worked your ass off, and you got a result from that. And now all of a sudden, you're putting in A, and B is not coming out right. anymore. And then you're not even allowed to put A in anymore. Right. And so I can understand why that's challenging in, it, in, and, of its, in and of itself. But tell me more about the, what was happening for you mentally as, as your ability to play was taken away, and at the same time you're experiencing what sounds like some physical biochemical neurological yeah.
0: changes yeah so i've had a headache since the hit since the hit that ended pretty much ended my career um it's, it's been almost five years now
1: where were you on the ice
0: uh i was me minnesota moment. yeah <laughs> that's why uh I, it's funny we'll get into the, the roller vein trip but it's just weird how everything kind of came came together um I was in Minnesota and I remember everything. That's the thing. It wasn't like I was out cold or anything. It was just just a routine play. And I just got unlucky. A big guy hit me with his whole shoulder right in my side of my head and felt the whiplash. And that was the first time I had concussions before, but that was the first time I actually saw stars and mm-hmm. that kind of whole thing. And um, I knew it was different after that one. I spent that was like five games left in the season and we hadn't made playoffs, so went home for the summer and okay, I got the summer to figure this out. And we go into the training camp in the fall, and I'm, I'm a, if not if not worse than where I was three months prior, four months prior, and I had been to all these different neurologists, flying all over the country trying to figure this out, and uh, show up to camp, and I could I couldn't even get through a practice because my headaches were so bad. Mm. So I mean, <laughs> just imagine like your worst hangover headache. That's what I had for like three years, for a long time, and I mean. Yeah, headaches or a wild thing, and I, I wasn't able to do anything. It was uh, I couldn't go out in public. I couldn't I couldn't talk to them on the phone to my mom. Um, I couldn't listen to music. It was anywhere I went, I was debilitated in, in some weird way. It felt like, um, and then after that, that's when I experienced anxiety and panic attacks, and kind of just went down that hole unfortunately dark rabbit hole where I kind of just fed into the, into the downward spiral. So where
1: were you living?
0: Uh, so I was in Dallas still, but then COVID hits and anybody who's not playing, we don't want you around because, you know, we don't, don't, don't want you to get COVID and give it to other teammates. So, um, I was just stuck in Dallas for six months.
1: If you were and, really, really
0: alone. Yeah. I was, I went from having 25 best friends to nothing and uh was kind of going through a breakup at the time too and it wasn't it was i mean i lived with the girl for 6 years so it was more of like a divorce so um you know we had a dog together so it was kind of just <laughs> one thing after another just uh i don't know just and i and i let it play into my downfall i guess and uh
1: yeah when you think about that time now you use it's it's interesting how you phrase that last sentence, you said you let it play into your downfall. Do you feel like there's something you could have done differently as these events were playing out?
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, um, you know, there's. it's always you look back on it and say I wish, but at the time going through it, I think that I don't think I would have done anything differently, unfortunately, just because of the pressure I put on myself, not only to just, like, I didn't even care about feeling better. I cared about getting back on the ice it was and then whenever the nine ten months went by and i wasn't getting better and the kind of we forgot about me getting any ice okay let's get better first that's kind of when i realized how big of a, a mess i was and um you know drinking smoking, you know addicted to xanax kind of <laughs> the whole concoction of terrible things to to feed into depression so
1: how bad did it get
0: um Main attempt, 2018. Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty terrible. Um, was uh, was probably the greatest day of my life in a weird way because <laughs> I failed. But in in a weird way, it it led me to rediscovering myself in a weird way. But yeah, it's it's hard. It's. I'm not glad it happened, but to have the perspective now and to see the effect that just telling my parents or my brother about my attempt uh you see the effect it has on them, and I'm still here so it's uh that was probably the the most important thing and then after that that's when I was able to realize that I could lean on people and and really help myself out of the hole.
1: What did they say when you told them about it?
0: you know my dad was it's, it was interesting. It was, uh, you know, a time where me and my dad were, were fighting and, you know, I kind of, you know, told him about my attempt to make him feel guilty and I still feel guilt about that to this day. And it kind of is the first time in my life I ever caught my dad off guard, you know, and to see his reaction to me telling him, it was the first time I like really saw my dad cry in a, in a weird way, in a different way than a loss or something. So obviously, very uh it's a time of a lot of turmoil but it's been it's been amazing last three four years so
1: i can feel the pain yeah i'm not saying i understand or know the pain i'm saying i can feel the pain that you went through just being here with you and i want to honor you because you found a way to transmute that and You have a compassion in you, and a and a big motherfucking heart.
0: <laughs> and that, that was kind of my down, downfall in my hockey career for a bit too, because I I couldn't tell you how many coaches told me that I cared too much. It's like you you know you wear your heart on your sleep too much. You can just relax a little bit, but I was always just so high strung and just so like go get them, and then I couldn't be, and that just. I isolated myself, just disappeared for a couple of years, and kind of just told everyone I was okay, and they just believed me.
1: When you, Steve, when you made the decision, as you call it, the attempt, can you take us into that decision-making process? Because I think a lot of people don't understand what what that's like. And now, now, obviously, you're—I won't say obviously—we're gonna yeah. get—we're gonna get to. The, <laughs> We're going to get to the rest of your story, I promise, <laughs> but for, for someone that's never experienced pain like that, explain the decision-making process and why, why that seemed like a viable or maybe
0: the only option. I, this was probably nine months past, uh, showing up the training camp and not being able to get through it and, um, Really going down the path of trying to figure every anything out. I went to you know Olympic doctors. I went to the the Mayo Clinic. I I spent weeks in Florida at a brain plasticity place. I mean, I I was trying everything. Uh, I would go on road trips with the with the guys just to go see doctors. And (laughs) you know, you'd think after seeing the best doctors in the world, I mean, literally, you would get any sight of you get any light at the end of the tunnel, or it was the complete opposite. They would prescribe me medication or prescribe me an antidepressant that would just make me feel worse or just make me feel I mean literally anything that I tried made me feel worse and it just got to a point where I I felt like I was out of options and uh there was it was a weekend the other guys went on a road trip and a bunch of guys that were hurt stayed back and we went out and got hammered and Yeah, I kind of don't really remember much else except for opening up the bottle of Xanax and and taking them all. And uh, there was a weird piece to it at the time, but I don't really remember anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Why I did it, I think obviously alcohol had a huge play in it, um, but I think I was just searching for no pain and just, just an answer. Uh, the week, the week prior I had gone through my, uh, a surgery where they take butt out of you and they put it in your spinal canal to see if there's a leak in your spinal fluid. And it's a horrible procedure. You have to sit on your back for two days straight. So you don't get a leak. And, uh, that felt like that was my last straw. And I remember being in the, in the, in the room after with the, with the radiologist looking through the, the MRI and, he just looked at me dead in the eyes and said, Stephen, I, I wish I could help you, but I can't. There's, you know, every doctor I went to, they, was, they told me I was fine. I said, you're fine. You know, I would do all the psychological evals. I would do the the concussion tests and my numbers were through the roof. My memory was through the roof. It just, I just had a headache. <laughs> and you give anybody a headache for a, a week, they're going to go crazy. Um, and I was on nine, 10 months of it. And there was that split second when you wake up when you're, you know, when you're kind of awake, but you're still sleeping, but you're conscious. Mm-hmm. And that was the only four seconds out of a day where I wouldn't have a headache. And it kind of, as soon as my eyes would open, that was, it was just like a flood of a headache. And it was like, here we go again. Mm. And, uh, it was just a vicious cycle and, uh, a bunch of doctors gave up on me, uh, handful actually. And just, I guess I saw the, I saw the dark side of the medical world and I didn't think there were any other options. So, so what I'm
1: hearing is a combination of one, there was no hope. You're being told by experts in supposed experts in the field of the, problem you're having which is your brain telling you there's nothing they can do and and they're giving up on you so you have no hope and you have the no hope combining with extreme pain and what i'm hearing is not that you wanted to commit suicide i anybody wants to commit suicide but living hurt more than killing yourself exactly so you have this pain that hurts more than dying, and you have that combined with no hope. Let's say this pain is gonna last forever, yeah. and that's that. Those two things combined to that attempt. Yeah. So how'd you get rid of the headache? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Still got one. Okay. Yeah. What happened next? Then you wake up. So, We're yeah, not, not Yeah, not Man, dead. It's a fuck that yeah, one up. Yeah, 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 good. <laughs> yeah, no, good thing I suck at things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so I wake up and, you know, no one knew for a long time. Um, it probably took me six months to even tell my brother. Um, and I really didn't tell anybody until the trip um, in 2021. It was kind of a secret. Didn't tell my parents until about the week before I left. And, you know because i told them i'm rollerblading across the country and they looked at me what the hell are you doing that for so i kind of had to give them the the real answer to 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 help them out but um yeah it's 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 been a wild it's been a wild uh journey i mean the headaches haven't left i've had some days here or there where they're less but um i just tell them to fuck himself in the morning and i go about my day <laughs> you mentioned your project
1: where you rollerblading across The United States where where did that idea pop in your head and and where where in your journey did that happen so you got
0: a big you got a big mirror in here (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so let's yeah so that was 2018 was um the attempt and uh kind of was just I was still signed con uh still contractually signed to Dallas and so I was there for through COVID and I tried to make a comeback after that actually Got to a point where I was, you know, I could still play. I still wanted to play. And I wanted to prove that I could play. And so I tried to make a comeback (laughs) 22 months after my last game. Mm -hmm. And it was the best hockey I ever played in my life. It was like. So how did you do that with the headache? It just, I blocked it out. Okay. Yeah, it was a a weird, you know, two and a half, three weeks. I played literally the best hockey ever that I've ever played. And then COVID hits and it's a shutdown. Mm. And so we'd get sent home and my headaches got crazy after the, after the shutdown. And then we did the whole bubble thing and went to the bubble. And I knew that I knew the bubble was going to be bad for, for me just because I went in with just excruciating headaches to where the point, I remember walking into the meeting room and for my last, it was ended up being my last game and I was walking into the meeting room and I bumped the corner going into the conference center. And I was like, I kind of, it kind of like set me up. I was like, Oh shit. You're walking. You, like, hit your wa- shoulder. I or like bumped into a wall on the okay. way to a meeting, and it rattled my head. Wow! And I was like, "This is this is not good. I shouldn't. I shouldn't even be here right now." And uh, <sighs> that happens. I I uh, I pulled myself out of the game in the second period and called my mom and just told her it was it was over. And uh, I spent another year where I didn't play. And then kind of retirement hit me, and I didn't know what to do. And was kind of seeing myself spiral down again.
1: Just so I'm clear, this is all after the attempt. Yeah. So after the attempt, you go back in the NHL. Yeah. Then you realize. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be in the NHL. I'm getting hurt walking. Yep. You retire, and things start to get dark again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. you know, through my whole NHL career oh, I got to have a degree from Notre Dame. It'll work itself out. And, you know, when it happens, no one's, no one's there to pick you up but yourself. And I didn't, I wasn't prepared for that. And, you know, I went home, I'd sit in my house and watch hockey all night, you know, because all my friends are still playing. I had friends on other teams. So it was easy now. I wasn't playing so I could watch all my friends. And I just saw myself, you know, <laughs> sitting there watching a the game and crying, wishing I was out there and um the middle winter in Pennsylvania and (laughs) there's not much to do so you sit inside and and uh that's when I found the bottle and started drinking a lot and was uh in a really bad place and uh was in sorry it's uh it's okay yeah I was sitting there looking at my dog and I was in a YouTube dark hole, bottle and a half deep, probably, you know, five or six joints sitting burned on my, on my uh, desk. And I looked at my dog and I was, you know, about to get up and get in the truck and go to the highest bridge close to me. And uh, your video came across on YouTube. Of um, the "took a pill in Ibiza" the acoustic version, where you explain your, you know, your dad had just passed, uh, Afghia just passed, and Mac, and and everything, and uh, it was the first time I felt like I connected with somebody on that kind of, uh, I guess, dimension. Because I'd spent four years in therapy, and it, it helped, but anytime I said something. You know, they'd say i i understand and it's like no one understands anyone like truly like you, like everyone's situation is so different that there's no way you could understand me you know what i mean and that's the kind of that's that's the feeling i had through all of this and then i come across your video and then you know the related videos on the right it was slow it down the, the video where it's just you and you're just crying in front of the camera and I can't tell you how like it was like the hardest cry of my life because I felt like I was crying with somebody and man I that like that, <laughs> that video right there is why I'm sitting why I'm sitting here today and then from there I discovered the live before I die video and halfway through the video I texted Jeff and I said I'm rollerblading across the country and we left 10 days later and that was, yeah. So I, uh, and we talked, you know, in the first, and we're, and we're going through the trip and it's like, man, what's, you know, we're thinking about the end goal already, you know, a weekend. And he was like, you know what, if this doesn't do anything, who gives a shit, we're gonna have a sick road trip. Like gonna be a life experience no matter what. And, uh, and we started, we, a day into the trip we started getting all these messages because i i was just doing this because i wanted to do it and i wanted to feel something and then i realized very quickly that it wasn't about me anymore and i think that you probably realized that during your trip and um yeah so that's that's where the trip began and obviously i'm eternally grateful for um for you so you yeah, a not, hug me. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little sweaty, but. <laughs> Yeah. it's, it's pretty crazy, man. Um, I called him because my, bo- my boy Westy, who we have, a, yeah. we have mutual friends. Yeah. You know, I told him I would I had come out here after the trip and met the girl who I hope to marry one day. Um, so everything's just kind of been crazy since the trip. Um, but it, it's weird how everything kind of comes full circle and, you know, I came out here, didn't really tell him my, st- I mean, he knew about my story, but then I mentioned I mentioned your name and he was like oh i was just at his house last week and kind of when i saw he saw how i lit up when i knew that he knew you and i was like Mm -hmm. just just having like any type of connection to you was uh was enough and we said like i i just want to like shake your hand and say thank you one day and that was day one of our trip and that was three almost almost three years ago now yeah so it's been uh i just want just wanted to say thank you and 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 there's so many people out there that you have no idea what you've done i mean you just found out <laughs> about me so yeah. you know there's a thousand me's out there that you've helped and just want to say thank you and, and truly i know my parents want to say thank you and I, I know everybody wants to say thank you so from from everybody in my life it um yeah
1: well i, re- I received that Stephen and you know, I, my friend Doug, he, he says this line, and I always steal it from him, and he, and he says, I'm only your reflection. And I can't think of a time where it's more appropriate to say because the same way, you know, you're inspired by those videos and the things I was creating and doing in my life, you know, I've obviously felt that way from other artists or people in the world. And uh, you're someone who, you know, even just just meeting you very quickly here and you, hearing your story, you're not a you're not a someday kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> if you're gonna kill yourself, you're yeah, gonna do it today. Yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna roll right across the country, you're gonna do it in a week. Right. You're gonna go, and you don't talk about it. You do it. And you as you already know and, and, and there's and you we're gonna continue to do it today we're sharing the story with your film as well. You know, your your story is, is gonna light up people and is lighting up people, has lit up people the same way I think mine has mm-hmm. with you. And so I, I can't think of anything else to say other than I'm I'm only a reflection and I, I'm I'm just humbled. I love you. I love you too, man. Believe uh, <laughs> that. And, and this is what we do with art, and a life can be a piece of art. Right. So what we do with a and and your your rollerblade across the country. Is that how you refer to it? Your blade?
0: Would you say yeah, blade well, across? Yeah, we got. A little, <laughs> you say we, say walk across? Yeah, we got. We our the tag we use was mental miles. Mental miles that you log, okay, is
1: is a piece of art. Your journey is a piece of art. Your whole life's a piece of art, but that is a piece of art as well. And what we do when we make art, I think, is we go, hey, man, I'm feeling kind of alone out here. This is what it's like for me to be a human. Yeah. Anyone else? And it's an act of faith because you're just throwing it out there. You don't know if you're going to get an answer back. Right. And if we make something really beautiful, like you did, some people go, finally, someone gets it. Yeah. That's what it's like for me to be human. And that's how important art is. And so I want to hear more about how you're in therapy and you're, they're saying, I understand and you're going, no one understands. Yeah. But then you're out, you start your journey, and you realize this isn't about you, and maybe maybe some people do understand, and maybe yeah. their exact pain isn't the same as yours, but did you meet some people that were going through
0: similar experiences? Yeah, we met so many people Um I was always like a a social, kind of the person you walk into an elevator with and you talk to whoever's in there. Uh And that's like most times like leave me alone, man. yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I'm always a talker. um, But hanging out with Jeff who came with me and shot everything, uh, I really learned a lot from him and and his approach to people and and just strangers and just getting to know people. Mm -hmm. just doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. You got a story. I want to hear it. And we met so many people through our trip where Felt like after two hours of conversation, <laughs> look around, all four of us are crying. And it's like, there's something extremely powerful happening here that we didn't intend to do. Mm. And, uh, you know, obviously the my DMs were flooded. Um, got to a point where I, we just had to turn the phone off and say, let's just let's get back to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah it need, was, to, <laughs> need to cover
1: some miles here. Yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. those days.
0: Yeah. So it was... Uh, It was amazing, Um, and I think the coolest part was, you know, I I did some things in my life that I'm not proud of, and I lost some friends along the way. And hearing from people that I definitely, you know, there's a reason to hate me from from their hearts, and I understand. But I heard from them, and um, yeah, there's uh, there's something about that that is deeper than like a love. It's like a I know there's (laughs) I think I think brotherly love is like the I mean, I have an older brother and I, there's nothing in this world I love more than my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably a second close.
1: Tell me about one of those moments where you heard from somebody that
0: sounds like they're forgiving you or they, yeah. Um, a guy I played college hockey with, hadn't talked to him in six years, probably seven years. And, um, you know, what happened happens. Never, we'll never forget about it, but I met him in Michigan. He came and bladed with me for ten, fifteen miles, and um, I, w- I was excited to to call him after that. You know what I mean? I would scroll through my phone and look at you know my boys from college that hated me, and I can't call him. I can't call him. And then after that, I was like, I can start calling these guys. Mm. Um, I think that the reconnecting with people that I lost in my life was was very inspirational for me to keep going because i was a week into the trip but it happened right away i mean we were i live five miles east of the ohio border so we were right in ohio um filling up to get gas
1: where'd you cross in ohio
0: do you remember uh it's actually crazy um it was right around the area where you cross across so, it
1: was like zanesville over there uh,
0: yeah it was i'm, I'm l- trying to remember a little, yeah so I had a buddy who actually walked. Steuben, Steubenville, yeah, Steubenville, dude. I remember town, Steubenville. Yeah. So you Ooh, know, I was happy to get there. There was a guy, uh, <laughs> guy and his girlfriend came and walked with you for like ten miles. You okay. Remember? You, um. Yeah. I mean, you got to tell me more because there's a bunch of people. Coming. I, got a, I got. Yeah. Obviously, I got. A, he sent me. He found out. He saw my Instagram today, and he sent me this. Okay. So that was. Oh
1: yeah, I vaguely
0: remember I, these guys. And, and I and I live in a town. Of like 600 people. Are
1: these your these your townspeople? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look at that 18th, your town's men. <laughs> <laughs> so you said, yeah. Um, yeah, I miss mean, has been early. So you walked, you walked right through right through our area, which is even cooler to, to learn about later on because of the connection, mm-hmm. obviously, I have to you now. Um, to know that someone I grew up with went with you on your journey and stuff, and I don't know, I just it's like one after another just everything's kind of coming full circle slowly yeah. but it's yeah it's been amazing
1: tell me about one of those you're meeting also strangers yeah. the people you're reconnecting for perhaps you're also meeting strangers and you said some of those moments brought you to tears I'd love to hear about one of, yeah one of those, or uh, a stranger that made an impact on you
0: one specifically we were we were almost done uh we were in we went to crater lake and outside of Bend, Oregon. So we were almost yeah, there. Been there. And uh, so I was blading around there. And we went to, I forget where we were going, but we ran into one of the workers there. And she recognized us. She had just moved out there. She was from Dallas. And we, you know, we had a candid five, 10 minute conversation. And a couple of days go by and we get a message from her mom. And it's like, you know, I don't want to, I don't know verbatim, but it was along the lines of, you have no idea what you did for my daughter like she was suicidal moving out here and she called me and it was the most excited i've heard her and she's saying how like motivated she is just just from running into you and that was kind of the end of them but the beginning it was you know that was amazing but but it happened that was day 31 or 32 mm-hmm. but on day one we were 10 miles outside of my You know, we were just across ohio And we're filling up and I hear my name called and I'm like, we're in the middle of Ohio. Who the hell knows me here? And it was some high school kid and he was like, hey man, I just, we posted on Instagram the night before and Mm -hmm. it, it went viral. And he was, he was, I'm scrolling through my phone, I'm getting ready to go to school and I, your post came up and and inspired me and I looked up and you're standing right in front of me. And that was like, that was my, oh, this is a lot bigger than me moment. And that happened five hours into the trip. And from then on, it was, you know, old friends from college, old teammates, old, any, anybody of so many people from walks of my life came out and joined me on my trip. And then we got to Minnesota and nobody wanted to come anymore. So then it was, it was amazing after that, just the whole trip we were talking and it was like, you know, what if Mike asked you like, what the worst part of your trip is? And it was like, there really wasn't one. I mean, the blisters. That's yeah. it's about it. <laughs> like I wish it, we when it ended, we wanted it to keep going. It yeah, was, I felt the same. Yeah.
1: Almost turned around.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Seriously though. I know. That's yeah, it's like I'm I'm itching to do another one, but I just, just kinda waiting. What did the journey
1: change for you? Because you're telling me you still got the headaches. Yeah. So the physical pain is still there. Mm-hmm but it doesn't
0: sound like you're ready to end your life. No, I'm- Quite the opposite. Yeah, yeah. So, I wanna be an old man. Yeah, so yeah. tell me what changed. I never really got to travel and like see stuff and, and get out in nature. I mean, I grew up in the middle of the woods, but I was never really out there, I felt like. And there was something about, I had my mental kind of breakthrough in the Badlands in South Dakota. Okay, let's talk about yeah. the Badlands. Um, you know, we're rolling around like two weeks in, it's the trip's great, the trip's great, but it, I'm kind of still feeling the same. Kind of like lying to myself that everything's changed but it, you know i knew it i knew it hadn't and we're ripping through the badlands and i just have this like come to moment it's like i can't believe i'm here right now it was you know we were about an hour outside of the badlands and i'm on we're on route i was a 90 route 80 or 90 the, the only interstate that you can get to the Kay. badlands on and there's this section where i pull off and or we pull off and he goes up with the truck a couple miles and i'm just kind of sitting there waiting for him to give me the the go-ahead and these two biker dudes come rolling by on me, and they see a guy on Route 90 with rollerblades on. <laughs> <laughs> well They're like, "What?" The fuck? <laughs> so they pull off, like, "Hey, man, you all right?" And, yeah, my buddy's up there. Like, I look at his buddy, he goes, "I guarantee you're the only person in the history of humanity to be standing here with rollerblades on." <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so that kind of that that flipped the switch to me, where I was like, "Wait, I'm th- I'm really doing something that's unique and." Um, just the weird interaction that kind of clicked something for me when we hit the Badlands and it was like, I mean, I was blading through cornfields for a week and a half. It was amazing, but it wasn't the Badlands and I didn't really, (laughs) I didn't know anything about national parks. I just thought Yellowstone was our only one really, (laughs) you know, uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania. We don't have much out East, it's just rolling Hills. So to see something like that and to be able to rollerblade in it and, to already have, see that effect that I was having on people, it kind of always like a come to moment where it's like, man, life is so precious and life is so amazing to be able to do something like this. And, uh, it's, we have it like we, and it's all, which was weird too, because I didn't even know the camera was rolling during the, during that moment. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, every, anytime I'm having a, a bad day, I go back to that little, 10 seconds in the documentary and I watch it and it's like just get my head back to that moment and I'm good
1: what do you say in those 10 seconds
0: I don't really say much I just kind of just like picture I mm-hmm. kind of do like try to do like a, a snapshot of my trip and just like and I feel like every time I do that snapshot I remember something else and it's it's so rewarding because we, we, we forgot about half our trip halfway through. We're like, oh, remember this? Oh, yeah, man, it sounded like yeah. it felt like it was two years ago. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's when I have to go into that. When I'm having those bad days, it's it's that day that I go back to yeah. every time.
1: So you're saying, you're saying a lot of profound things right now. I just want to <laughs> flag a few of them before we go forward. The first that I'm hearing is we talked earlier about your decision to end your life was the confluence of pain with no hope. Mm -hmm. And what you did is you made a decision to put something in your future. You say, I'm going to do this journey. And you hoped that that was hope, right? Right. So the the, the hope part you changed. And like you said, at the beginning you didn't even really feel it, but you started to tell yourself right. and you you say you're lying to yourself. Maybe you were just paving the way for it. Maybe you're lying to yourself, but you, you decide to do something that you thought may make a difference. Right. So you gave yourself hope. So, and, and then it's worth noting what happened to the pain. Nothing. Yeah. It was still there. And so you, all you changed was one part of the equation. And it's life-changing. And it changed your whole life. So I, I want to highlight that. Yeah. And what I also want to highlight is after you finish the journey, now you're done. Mm-hmm. You still have bad days and you're still in pain. Oh, yeah. But you use your past now in a very intelligent way
0: yeah
1: and i fucked this up before (laughs) because i'll say the way not to do it first the way the mistake one can make after they do something great is you did something great is to go okay i did something great i'm done right (laughs) now i can chill (laughs) and we use we can use our I've done this, can use our past accomplishment of doing something great as an excuse to not be our full selves in the present. Right. So we actually use the past to hurt the present. And it's a disservice, I would even argue, a desecration of the beautiful act that we completed. But you know, that's not what you told me you do. You do something infinitely smarter, which is you use the past as a reminder and as a fuel for the present moment. You use the past to enliven the present moment when you're having a tough time. You remember when you did something great. And you say, okay, well, I can do something great now. And I want to flag that because it's so powerful. And I've made this mistake so many times. It's really the only thing... The past is there for. Yeah. The past is not there for us to make excuses. It's not there for us to coast. It's there to motivate us. It's there to give us fuel. And so you're someone that that is using using what you did in a very intelligent way. And I want to honor that and flag it for everyone else listening. There's also something really Powerful about you sharing this thing. Because, you know, there's a there's a flip side, and I, and I I have this own tension within myself and with others. You're doing something that's really for you, right? You're doing this for you, like, really mm-hmm. saving your own life. But very early on, you say, hey, like, you're coming with me. You're going to film this. So you're also like, even though you don't know it yet, there's something deep down in you that's going, okay, This is also for other people. Mm -hmm. Which may like ping some people's radar as go, okay, well, is this a big show? Is this a social media stunt? Is whatever? Because we're we're so inundated with people doing shit for the wrong reason that it's easy to think that anytime someone is doing something unique that it's
0: it's it's for attention. Right. And has to has to be on social media. And that's kind of I stay off it now. Oh, I'm still on it, but I don't. I just feel like I don't post anymore, just because mm-hmm. you know, I was so addicted to seeing responses and like seeing the effect I had. Instead of there was like a couple of days during the trip where I've gotten that realm, and then it was like, no, 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 turn the phone off. Let's get back to work. Like, yeah, we're this isn't for we're not doing this for followers. And that was I was, I was thankful that Jeff was with me and during yeah. that, you know, because it can get to your head. It's you know. For, for your social media, for me, wasn't very fun because I'd go on it after a game and I'd get <laughs> I'd read comments about <laughs> my game. But now you're just getting, it's all love, it's all love. And yeah. it kind of got overwhelming to a point where I needed to kind of circle mm-hmm. back and get, yeah. get back to it.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a, dif- a difference between attention and love. Right. And it's easy for us, especially if we don't have a lot of love in our lives, to mistake attention yeah. for love. There's something powerful when you're giving it over to other people Mm -hmm. and going, Okay, this is about me, but also it's about all of us. All of us. And that's where I I feel like your impetus to share this comes from. And I think it gave you power. It gave me power when I do some of my journeys, going, Okay, like this isn't just about me anymore. Flagging that. Tell me about life after
0: the journey. That's been awesome. It's been three years of just like, just awesome. Um, I mean, I still drink now. I still, I still smoke, but it's all, it's, it's for the the right read. It's not, it's not for, it's not for me to go deeper into the hole. It's for me to, I don't know, just to kick back. I, I, I enjoy life more than I did when I was in the NHL. Now, which is crazy to even think because. You know, that was the pinnacle of my dream. Mm. You know, I, I still have dreams that I'm in the NHL. I still, you know, miss it every second of every day. I wouldn't change a thing for the world. Um, but my life after hockey, I feel like has been, it's been, not. I mean, there's nothing better than going into a stadium with 18,000 people and you look in the stands and you see 20 of your jerseys. There really is nothing. You see little kids come up to you and say, tell you they're they're your hero. There's nothing better than that. But there's something internally about having this freedom that I have now where I'm my own boss for the first time in my life. And if I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it because I'm wired now to do whatever I want to do that's going to better my mental health and better my life experiences. And, and, uh, it's been amazing. I just pretty much drive around the country and hang out with friends and, been fun
1: and so you're working on the film now yeah but tell me what else you're working
0: on uh now that you don't have yeah, a boss. it's well it's it's tough because it, i do need to start figuring out um what i want to do next and uh, professionally but i definitely want to get into the mental health field maybe be a speaker or uh, maybe get into coaching or something um but right now i i kind of gave myself a couple years to Enjoy life again, <laughs> and get back out there and get some life experiences mm-hmm. that I've never had. And I'm not trying to compare my life experiences with anyone. I'm just trying to have my own. And whether that's taking 12 days to drive across the country because I don't like to drive the highways, that's that's what I'll do. And I'm just kind of cruising by right now. And it's it's been it's been fun. And the best part is, is I've just been able to hang out with people that I haven't hung out with in in a long time.
1: Yeah yeah why is the depression gone
0: it's not gone okay Um, tell me more i'll I'll have i have waves of it i feel like um certain days where i won't think about anything negative but then i'll wake up in the morning and have an anxiety attack and it's where that come from and then i kind of have to unfold that and um that's probably my the thing i struggle with most is anxiety now just um not really knowing the triggers for it. So, but other than that, yeah, it's been, it's been wild.
1: (laughs) What's the biggest difference in life now, post-journey versus pre-journey?
0: I'd say like my, like clarity. Before that, I felt like there was, I mean, I felt like my head was just like black. I was like, I went into a room with no windows and turned the lights off. And now I feel like I have a way to like, turn some lights on throughout the day mm-hmm. I and mean, still there's still some some shaded areas in that room for sure i mean i have my moments where i'm still really sad or you know i've all my friends are still in the league so it's a daily reminder if i go on any kind of if i go on twitter or something i'll see one of my buddies getting into a fight or getting in, scoring a sweet goal or something and it's like man i wish i was still out there mm-hmm. but then i have this other side of me like well if i was still out there i wouldn't have been able to do this trip and if I didn't do this trip, I wouldn't have been able to have the impact on one person's life that I that I did. And that was, after I, after we realized that it was something bigger than myself, my kind of whole thing was like, if I can impact one person's life, that's all, it's all this trip means then. It's like, and um, I would imagine you probably felt that at some point. Probably still do. <laughs> probably feel it right now a little bit. But um, yeah, just having like, a, a positive impact on on someone's life,
1: because
0: hmm. for a while there, I felt like I was having a negative impact on some people's lives, and it was good to come out on the other side.
1: Yeah, you flipped that
0: shit. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, I believe that I believe in God. Disclaimer. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe God gives teachers pain because teachers are supposed to learn how to overcome pain and then they can teach other people how to overcome it. And so what I'm hearing is you overcome a lot and you've inspired others to do so. And I think you're a teacher. I think both of us are teachers and we're also still students. Very much so. I think, uh, I think we both still have pain that we're, we're yet to overcome and, uh, I think those are those are gifts that are that were yet to unwrap that pain, you know. And so I I also honor you for. I think someone, j- just your authenticity, man. You know, I think it'd be really easy for someone to sit in your chair right now and, um, lie yeah. about. Hey, yeah, I, I don't I don't feel anxiety anymore. I don't feel depression anymore. I did the thing and I'm healed. Ta-da! Nah, yeah. Come to my seminar, 1099. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and it's not you. You're a real guy. And I want to honor you for just sharing exactly where you are in the journey. And you'll be someplace further in a year, in five years, and it's just going to be beautiful to watch and the impact you're already having is only going to expand. And so thank you for just being you. Yeah, I appreciate it. I got a few rapid fire questions I, <laughs> I ask everybody um, on this podcast. And they are, have you ever seen a miracle?
0: A, a miracle? Yeah. Um, Not off the top of my head. I mean, <laughs> I bet you if we unraveled enough, yeah, I would, I would probably say yeah. But um, actually, yeah, I'll go. I'll, you know, yeah, I'll yeah. It's probably my favorite. It's definitely my favorite, uh, memory from the, from my NHL career. Um, it was when I made my return after the two years off, my parents, um, my parents are are the best. My dad's worked in a steel mill since he was 18 and pretty much did everything they could for me to play hockey growing up. And they didn't know how to handle me when I was going through all my stuff because I didn't tell them. And. So, you know, I couldn't even get on the phone and talk to my parents because I would just cry and hang up. And so it was, I isolated them. I isolated everyone. And then I made my comeback. And the first game they would seen me play in person in two and a half years was at Madison Square Garden. And I scored. And I'm not a, I'm not a goal scorer. I'm, I wasn't. I didn't make it the NHL because I was skilled. <laughs> I was big and I get hit. You uh, hurting people. Yeah. <laughs> I was big and I tried to hurt people. Um, it, but uh, <laughs> being able to, and I knew, and I, I would always find my parents in the stands before every game. Um, I knew I knew what they'd be there. I knew where which section they'd be in, and I'd try to find them. And they, we'd lock eyes and just like, okay, they're here. And uh, I remember I couldn't find them that day. And it was like, I remember going to warm ups and just having like some crazy anxiety because, okay, where are they at? Why aren't they at the game? Or they, yeah. they get stuck, you know, going through a million things. First period starts. I scored later on in the game and I had no idea where they were, but I knew the section. And I'm kind of going through, the, like, giving the fist bumps through the line. And I look up and I see my dad and mom just like, I, I couldn't see their eyes, but I knew they were crying. And I kind of just gave them like a point And yeah, just to to share like that, I guess that would be my miracle because I wasn't supposed to be there anymore, I don't think. Mm. Um, And for me to prove to them that I could, hey, mom and dad, I did it. You know what I mean? It's like, that was kind of like my, I did it moment where I was okay with the rest of everything playing out in a a weird, twisted way. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Who's someone you wouldn't be here without?
0: i mean there's so many people i could say my brother Mm. yeah he played he played hockey growing up i mean he was three years older than me so i did whatever he did so i played hockey um he had some medical issues when he was young and and had to retire so kind of felt like i carried him with me to the nhl (laughs) um yeah bought a house right next to him so we uh We still kick it every day
1: how cool is that yeah
0: it's pretty amazing yeah (laughs) it's pretty amazing we live out in the middle of the woods um i bought like the 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 couple acres in between us and cleared it out yeah so i have a so we have a full picture of each other it's it's pretty great uh i get to see my nephews every day so i think uh yeah he's he's definitely you know obviously my mom and my dad but yeah my brother is he's the man (laughs) he's he's the dog
1: (laughs) And see how much he needs to yeah. what's something you know now you wish you knew ten years ago?
0: I'd probably I'd probably say that life is a lot longer than we think. You know, we always think that life is moving by so fast. Um, but there's still time to to figure anything out, really. And I thought that my time was up and then I kind of now I feel like my time is endless. And I want well, I want my time to be I just wanna Yeah. Just want to live? Yeah. Man.
1: I think that's a really important point you just made. You know, we 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 all judge ourselves too soon. Right. We think like our current version of our lives is is it. And it's easy to feel pretty dejected about yourself or life if that state of affairs isn't good. And just think like How much beauty, I'm just listening to your story, how much beauty happened after your lowest moment. And the story could have ended there, but it didn't. And I think we're all grateful it it didn't. The last question for you is, if God or your higher self or your higher power was whispering one thing in your ear right now for you to
0: remember going forward, what would it be? it'll be okay. So many people told me it was going to be, I didn't believe them for a second. And, you know, my, my whole thing was, well, it's only going to be okay if I'm back in the NHL, you know, if I'm back living my dream, but I don't know. there's, I have so much perspective now because I've read, you know, stories that people have told me and it's like, man, I'm not that bad. I'm, there's some people out there that have really gone through some stuff. Um, and it gives you so much perspective. It's like, okay, my life's my life's not that bad. It could be worse and um, and it will get better. It, it has to. It couldn't get any worse at some point. So, um,
1: well, we're going to take a few questions, but I just want to honor you again because I just asked you what God or your higher power would say to you and you say it's gonna be okay. And I think that your your life and your story is you saying that very thing to everyone that's listening. And those therapists couldn't connect with you because they they hadn't gone through what you were going through. Yeah. I
0: suspect. And I'm not I'm not here to, you know, shit on therapy right? or no, I think not. it's amazing, we're, yeah. But it just too. wasn't at the time, I mean, I'm, I'm still in therapy now. Yeah, but at the time, it was just oil and early gas and, and gas and fire. I understand. Yeah. I'm with you.
1: I'm tracking. Yeah. You yeah. know, therapy when it hit, but for in those moments, it wasn't connecting. Right. So, um, we got nuanced listeners. They'll get it. <laughs> it wasn't connecting because I suspect you suspected they don't know how much pain I'm in. Yeah. They haven't experienced anything like this, yeah. And they're spouting some book shit at me that they learned in school, and like this, I'm the real thing. Yeah. You still are the real thing. You real, you did go through that, and what I'm trying to say is, the message you're getting from your higher power right now is going to be okay. Is the message your life is to everyone else. So when I see you, I see a messenger of God. You know truly.
0: I appreciate that. Yeah. And uh,
1: I thank you for being here and sharing your your heart and your energy and your story, your wisdom with me today and all our listeners. And now I want to take some questions from
3: the listeners. We got tuned in. So tell us how we could serve you today, Tanner. Well, thank you so much for the time. I'm I'm really, really grateful. I guess I want to start by kind of telling you where I'm at and then hopefully asking a question. Uh, meaningful question that can can carry a a good conversation. Uh, Steven, I, I resonated a lot with how Mike impacted your journey. Um, For me, I grew up here in Arkansas, and my dad, you know, was an hourly worker, unloaded trucks, and, and my mom was a school teacher. And when i graduated high school i was very passionate about you know going out into the world and, and hopefully doing something impactful but I, I didn't really know exactly what that looked like and so like everybody else i you know decided to, to go to college and i was in my first year at college trying to trying to find my way and hopefully make a meaningful impact and uh i was actually going through a breakup and i was trying to figure out you know what my calling was and, and what direction was out there for me and i remember I'll never forget listening to a a real good kid for the first time and uh that album that you wrote mike had a had a huge impact in me and and in and in some ways i feel like it made me aware of a a part of myself that i didn't know existed and that was i guess what i needed to hear at the right time it encouraged me and it inspired me i um so i kind of made some decisions in my life to go a particular direction i I decided to to drop out of college and help start a business and that was um almost five years ago and mike i've been following your journey for for a long time and over the last five years i've been able to create a company we've got about 30 people and we've raised about 15 million dollars and mike you were a huge reason for that i've been following you for years and i'm just really really grateful for everything that you've shared and the last thing I'll, I'll say before I get into my question is, I, uh, my, my current partner who I've been with for three years, we, uh, I'll never forget, we had a wonderful evening together one of the first times we hung out. We, uh, we sat and we listened to a real good kid from, from start to finish, and her, uh, her dad passed away growing up, and that moment just lives forever in, in both of our heads, so thank you for that and for how much you've impacted me.
1: I'm just receiving that, brother
3: really thanks to you, Mike, again, I've, I've, for a couple of years, I've, I've kind of been on my spiritual journey and, um, you know, for, for like most of us, we all kind of found a certain way to get there. And I also, (laughs) you know, if it wasn't for you, Mike, I probably would have never found Ram Dass either. And I've been, taken in Ramdas for three years and I grew up, you know, kind of like in a church of Christ and then somewhat ended up going to a Methodist house and I remember being like 12 and you know being an atheist and <laughs> growing, you know growing up in the south and trying to find my way but over the last, you know, few years I've I found that that awareness that isn't every single one of us thanks to you and I think my question for both you guys and I'm so privileged to get to ask you both is you know Ramdas spoke a lot about honoring your incarnation and how suffering is grace. But uh subsequently, Mike, me and you are both uh fans of Esther Hicks. And you know, she writes about how if you want it and you expect it, it'll be yours soon. And so, you know, I suppose in some ways desire is the the root of suffering, but suffering is also grace. So we kind of live in this beautiful, paradoxical universe. And so my question is, how have you guys managed to balance and and navigate desire as as you've grown older in your form? And, you know, have you found the ability to kind of honor your incarnation or where you're at? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, First of all, I'm going to answer a
1: question that you didn't really ask. But I think is maybe percolating inside of your question and your spirit. I could be wrong, but you go on your spiritual path and you find different teachers that resonate with you at different times. And my friend, my uh, old manager, Tom Gates, he used to he used to joke with me. He used to call me Mike the Dogma Hunter because. Six months, I'd be in the Ramdas. Six like six months with Esther, Jerry Hicks. Then I'm reading David Goggins. Then I'm reading Titnet High. I don't know if I'm joining the army or the monastery. I'm just like, and so I've had this this like tug and pull because, yeah, on the surface, a lot of these teachings are contradictory, and then we throw in my Jewish tradition, and 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 sometimes I go to church, and you know, so. Sometimes on the surface, these things really don't work with one another. Like you just flagged one. And one thing that just sort of clicked with me um, about a year ago was that they're all great. And the key is to be able to bring forth the right one at the right time. Okay. So there's moments, I presume, in your business where you just got to fucking like go in the grind killer mode, you know? It's like you got to go Goggins mode, you know? And then like, did you say your wife or fiance or girlfriend? My girlfriend. You're with your girlfriend like, you probably want to turn off Goggins mode. <laughs> and I've met Goggins. Goggins isn't in Goggins mode all the time, right? He talks about that in his book. It's David Goggins, right? And so it's being the right thing at the right time and being a good thing at the wrong time can really fuck shit up so i'm just flagging that you didn't ask that specifically no, but right. i felt it so how do you balance desirement yeah dude i have cra- i have crazy goals i have goals in my family life in my relationship life in my um financial life in my physical body like my athletic life like i have fucking huge goals right for sure But we never want to be so obsessed with the future that it takes the zest and joy out of the present. Actually, the opposite. Like Stephen, he put a goal in his future that made his present better. That's what a goal is for. That's what a vision is for. It's to give us something to look forward to that makes us alive now. But if we go too far and we're so far in the future, like you talked about, you know, if, at times, you, if I'm not back on the ice, then it's not okay. Things aren't okay because I'm not in the future yet. Then obviously, even even like as I say that, it, it, it sounds silly, but we all do it, right? We think like, I have to get X, Y, and Z done, and until then, things aren't right. So... What I want to say is like, give yourself some grace. First of all, you're human, right? We all do this and and like all your heroes, I've met them. They all have this problem is what we call it a problem. We, we all balance this, bro, you know? Um, so what I'm hearing is you just want to dial into the present a little more. You probably, it sounds like you may already have a meditation practice or breathwork practice and, you know, just like, or just, I'm going to remind you now, you know, and I think you'll take it with you, is that you're going to, you're you're a creator. Look what you've already created. You'll do that the rest of your life. It's not going to stop. You're not going to lose it. It's not going to turn off. But you can just enjoy the process, enjoy the step you're on right now, and know that it's all going to work out perfectly you know, and I'm struck by your, your spirit, your heart. And I think like, it's, it's
0: just the beginning for you. How would you answer <laughs> I mean, it's pretty hard to, to back up, but I mean, I think with, with desire, we kind of, like you kind of were saying there's expectations oh. with desire mm-hmm. and, you know, f- there's certain benchmarks with any profession or any, you know, Anything you do, there's are certain benchmarks you put on yourself. and If you don't reach those goals, then it's, then it's you know, hit the panic button, as we used to say. And you got to kind of be able to not hit the panic button, realize why you want to hit the panic button and kind of come back to it and just kind of take everything for what it is. And as a grain of salt and live in the moment, like Mike said, and just be honest with yourself. I think, I think is the most important part that I've, I've learned throughout the years is. If I'm having a bad day or something, or if if something's not going the way I wanted to, let people know. But you got to let yourself first. Let, you got to let yourself know first, and um, I think I think from there you can kind of do anything. You can have them both.
3: You have your peace and all your big goals.
0: Yeah, and that's you something have.
3: that I've been trying to learn. You know, I think. In the pursuit of desire, in the pursuit of of finding that peace, I find myself constantly asking that question, like, is everything okay? Is everything okay? Like, I just, you, when you feel like there's so much you're trying to do, and but when you also feel like you want to be here now, I always find myself asking that question, is everything okay? And sometimes it's it can be challenging to remind yourself that everything is exactly how it is.
1: Yeah, man, you're doing so good. Fucking quit your job. Fifteen employ, thirty employees. Fifteen sticks, growing the business, and it's just like it's okay if things aren't okay sometimes, and it's par- it's part of also like the the goal as well. The reason you have the goals you have isn't the actual thing. So let's say like, I don't know what your goal, what's one of the goals, share one.
3: I mean, one of the, one of the goals is to grow the business. You know, we've, I think my passion that I found at a really young age through it all was, I just want to have a company where people come to work every day and they just, they love their jobs. You know, they, they drive to work excited. They go home feeling like they put in a good amount of work and they're able to spend quality time with their family and they have with the resources that they need. And so. The only way I can really live that out is to grow the business and, and allow more people to see that because that's what it's all about.
1: Yeah. So you have this goal to grow your business and have your your workplace and your organization that you create to be one that enlivens those lives of the people that work there. Right? That's your goal. Okay? Yeah, I have no judgment about any goal. You could tell me your goal is make... F- million, whatever, whatever, whatever your goal is. That's your goal. The reason you want that goal is partly you want to give that gift to those other people. But there's another part of it, which is you're going to have to become a newer, bigger, better version of yourself to make it happen. Yeah. And that's the real reason you want it. So how do we go from here to there? Well, in between there's going to be some, it, is, is it okay moments right now? No, it's not. I'm a little fucking scared. I'm a little stressed. Right? That's part of the journey. Yeah. That's, that's That pain is a healthy pain. That's the pain of you growing. That's the pain of you becoming that version of yourself that you want to become, that you will become, that you are becoming. And so... It's all right if you're not growing this wonderful business and you're not in full Zen samadhi 24-7 as you do it. That that piece that you've already created in yourself will continue to expand. And just don't overthink it along the way, bro. You're doing great.
3: There just aren't words to, to tell you how much it, it means to be able to spend time with you guys. And that podcast you guys did, it was it was, it was heavy, and it was beautiful, and I felt like I was in the room with you. And so when I saw myself pop up, I had to remind myself that I wasn't. <laughs> you are, bro. You, do it. you
1: are in spirit. That's
3: right, That's right. I am.
1: Hey, listen, man. God bless you and, and send you all the love, all right?
3: Thank you,
2: guys.
1: Thanks. Take Good to you meet here. you. Appreciate you, brother. Bye. How can we serve you, brother?
2: So I had a question um, to you because you're a calm guy, Mike. At least, at least the, the ones we see. I, I guess you have your moments. Um, but sure. if I could jump in and ma- maybe just step back. So, Stephen, uh, thank you very much for your story. Uh, thank you. Um, just to share with you, I had uh, suicidal thoughts from age 18 to about age 36. Um, never acted on them. And there's probably about three people in the world who know, plus everybody on this podcast, right? So, been there, buddy, and um, well done. Well done, really. Um, so I think I'm at a stage now where, you know, when I was in those 20 years, I've heard it expressed, yeah, you know, suicide is hate turns inwards, something like that, right? Because I was quite shy and, and internal. And I think I'm 51 now for the last 16, 17 years. I've sort of been growing. And, um, I'm at this stage now with the last few years. I've had a bit of a effort switch, if I could use that 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 phrase. I haven't really cared. But I think it's also been part of me trying to engage with the the external world I never engaged with before, over exerting my will, my ego on the external world. But I'm finding now it's a problem. Because I think of a stage where I've got something to contribute. Um, but <laughs> my personality gets in the way sometimes. And it's, it's, it's just acting on the emotion because I, I guess I'm quite emotional uh, internal. I feel a lot of things, um, you know, for, for right or wrong. Um, and yeah, they just, just had a lot of bits, more, more the business relationships where I get a bit ballsy and maybe a bit pushy and, you know, I work in the medical device arena and I see some pretty bad stuff there, which, which I judge, right? But I, I, I could I could give you a million reasons why, but I think we all know they're the externalities. So the external world, there's the emotion. And as I say, I want to put a space between it and learn how to change, and it's time for that. So I'm going to leave it there. And, and the question is, uh, I guess, well, Stephen, Mike, you know, Stephen, you seem like a pretty calm guy as well. <laughs> Maybe not on the, the hockey
0: Yes, that's why. that's what I want to do it now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Turn it on, boy. So I, I do two things. I consult to medical device companies for medical device software, yeah. help them make safe, compliant products. Um, and that's the one where I see a lot of bad stuff, which really annoys me. We see big companies not care about the patients. really annoys me. Patients yeah. first and help the patients through the companies. That's a bit of a mission. Uh, and the second one is I develop my own medical device software, so I've got my own company, and um, I've had, you know, with developers and things, you know, I in the past I burnt them. have got a good team now; they've put up with me, but you know, it's just at a point now. If there's a problem. There's a problem, and we've got to fix it, right? And yeah. and anything I do to act negatively doesn't doesn't fix that. In here, intellectually, I know it, but emotionally, yeah, I I'm getting better. But you know it's still there, and it, it bubbles under the surface, and sometimes at the top.
1: It sounds to me like he gets pissed off at people pretty quick. Okay, yeah, and he wants to be
0: more calm. It took me a while to to realize this because my father was was really hard on me. So anytime that I had a coach or or someone that was higher that, that had a higher title than me or had had power over me, and they acted like my father towards me, I fully resented them and just completely shut down. So I guess I would say from from my advice would be like act like you're your father and talking to yourself. And how would you want your father to talk to you? In like a in like a weird way. I don't know, I always come back to that is if someone acts like my dad, <laughs> I go back to my eight-year-old, nine-year-old self and just, oh, I hate this guy. I can't wait to get away from him. Mm-hmm. And but now obviously I have that perspective is oh he's my dad, he's he's doing what's right. But at the time, it's it's all frustration and anger, and I would take it out on him. But I don't know I think that kind of just have to to be in the moment there and, and realize that you know what you say can have an effect on someone's day, week, month, you know, anything. So being able to understand that maybe someone's going through it like like it sounds like you are a bit um, might t- give you better perspective on on how to handle things.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, you, you've nailed it. Definitely parent stuff. I was scared of my father, and that's how he acted to me. Terrifying. And, you know, I'm pretty sure his father and his father, if you go back, right? And it, it is a, what is the sins of the father. Uh, I, I know that. So that's very insightful. Um, yeah, and it says, how do, you, how do you break the cycle, right? That's yeah. a, that's the question. And, yeah, I, I, yeah.
1: Richard, tell me what you think you need to do to change.
2: I don't know, I'm a, I'm a wit's end here. I know I need to change. And when it comes up, there was an issue the other day where we had a problem and it annoyed the hell out of me because the problem has come up in our code time and time again, it should have been fixed. And I started ranting, I stopped and said, okay, let's fix it. Let's take a few days. The developer's fixing it, right? So I can see it, but it's just this internal world, right? So it's it's, I... No no, I'm at my wit's end because i can I can intellectually understand it's not helpful to me or to anybody else, right It doesn't improve the world,
1: yeah, you know
2: what but I mean? it's a
1: habit, and this all it is is a habit you've you've trained yourself from whenever this started it sounds like maybe with your father, as Stephen insightfully picked up on, that whenever something doesn't go the way you like. You snap into this certain mood. You snap into this certain mode. And it's probably something you've been doing for a long, long time. And so it's just a habit that you've practiced over and over and over again. So what needs to happen is you need to start a new habit. And at first that will be uncomfortable. It doesn't mean just stopping doing what you're doing. It means starting something else. And it sounds like you got a lot of anger. And I say that with no judgment because this guy right here, it's the smiley guys, right? Like me that have the most fucking anger, right? Because he bottled up the most. So my hallucination, and I don't know you, I'm on a different continent than you, but here's some things I might consider. Someplace where you can get your anger out that isn't another human being. One of the ways I do that is boxing. Um, sometimes I put on a playlist. I can have Jason send it to you. It involves one mansion song, uh, where I just beat the fuck out of a pillow, and it's and it's not pretty. Like it's serious. Now, like if, if someone else was in that room, they'd be they'd be a little scared. That anger is supposed to come out. It's got to get out. And it's not supposed to get out in your workplace. We got to find a healthy place for you to get it out. So those are some ways I I do that that have been impactful to me. I'd consider putting something like that in your life. Now, that's sort of like running the emotion through. And then we also want to insert the new habit and new pattern. And... What I might Dr. Posner, Dr. Posner, if I could prescribe something to you, um do you get do you get outside in nature? You live in nature. Yeah,
2: a lot.
1: But do you but do you go out?
2: Yeah, I get them a free skate to so go hiking, go snowshoeing. Okay. That's climb that's good. And hours and hours, yeah,
1: yeah. That's good. That that's good. Keep doing that. And what about a meditation or breath work practice?
2: No, I, I, I've tried that in the past over and over again. It's never really, well, I haven't perceived any benefit from it.
1: Yeah, where'd you try?
2: For me, my meditation is hiking. So I've always done like long distance running, wilderness adventures, you know, where you turn your brain off. I think I've heard you speak about that, right? Yeah, when you get out of the wilderness for four or five days or three weeks with no one around, that's meditation, right? Sitting in a kayak yeah. for three weeks, paddle. That works for me.
1: So since you already do that, let's go to the next step. You you it sounds like you find some peace when you're in the when you're in the nature or you're in the kayak or you're skating. But you're not bringing it back to the workplace because something's happening there that's different. So you get some peace over here, but you can't bring it here. So while you're in the nature. Okay, so I'm gonna say Dr. Posner said <laughs> number one. You're going to hit some shit that's not a human being, okay? Boxing, boxing bag or a heavy bag or I'm a pillow. And number two, when you're in the calm place, when you're in the nature, start to take 20 deep breaths and take it serious and visualize the thing happening that pisses you off and see yourself doing something different see yourself acting the way, you'd actually be proud to act.
2: You know Let's what do I, it now. Think...
1: Let's do it now. Close your
2: eyes. <laughs> okay, close
1: your eyes. Yeah, close your eyes and take this serious because you'll get something out of it if you do. So I wanted you to take a huge breath in your belly. Let it go. Now fill up the belly and the chest. Let it go. (sighs) Belly chest. Let it go. Belly chest. Let it go. Now pick up the pace, belly, chest let it go. Fill it up. Let it go. Fill it up. Let it go. Fill it up. Let it go. 20 more like that. Fill it up. Let it go. Big breath in. Let it go. Belly, chest. Let it go. Fill it up. Let it go. Pick up the pace. 10. Let it go. 9. Let it go. 8. Let it go. 7. Let it go. Faster. 6. Go, five, go, four, go, three, go, two, go, one, let it go. Let your breathing return to normal. Keep the eyes closed. And now I want you to imagine someone that's really wise. Maybe that's someone in your life you know, a mentor. Maybe it's a religious figure. Some people pick Buddha or Jesus. Maybe it's Louis Armstrong. Whoever that is for you, someone that's wise, someone that's compassionate. And I want you to imagine that being inside your heart, a miniature version of them in your heart. And imagine that being now growing inside your body, outside your heart, until they fill you up. They're inside of you. So they're walking around with a Richard suit on. And they're going to work. You're not going to work. They're going to work. And that person or that event happens that would piss Richard off. But Richard's not there. This being is inside the Richard suit. And what do they say? What do they do? How do that? How do they handle that situation?
2: You know what comes to mind? Jesus tipping over the the, <laughs> the tables in the in the temple. For the money changes. Isn't that bad? And this is what? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting, Mike, because. there's some real evil in the world, you know, and it's, it's through poor standards of people. It hurts a lot of people. It can, but sometimes I'm not, I'm not a Jesus and I can't tip it over. You know, I need to help different ways. My developers are just good people. So, yeah. and what comes to mind for, so if I break it down to consulting, Mm -hmm. I think of the tipping the table over, right? Whether that's right or wrong. I tipped the table over recently with a client and I got a, product pulled off the market right after they fired me (laughs) but the product got pulled off the market so that was a win Mm -hmm. but you know for my developers one thing that's come to mind recently when you think of the story of mary magdalene you know cleaning jesus feet with with the tears i think when i grew up a lot of people told me that that meant that you know she humbled herself in in front of jesus because jesus was so great and mighty and forgave her i think it's different I think Jesus loved her, accepted her, and she was so grateful for that, that that she was just blown away. You know what I mean? Does that make sense?
1: Well, I, I, I want to hear about your life, man. So I get you're, you're sort of ready to change, and you said it's going to be the end of you. So let's just imagine that this is the moment you're going to change like let's just imagine this is it and you know I don't know you 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 can keep going on the path you are and and have some some excuses why this is not the moment and you've tried everything or this could be the moment where you change i hear the love in your heart and i think that's part of it is, is that wants to come out and so what I'm interested in is, if this was the moment where you changed your life, where you let go of the anger, or, or at least directed the anger in the right direction, and stopped dumping it on people that didn't deserve it, what would you do now? Maybe there's an apology, I don't know. What's an action you could take to show yourself that you're now changing?
2: Oh, look, I apologize a lot. Don't get me wrong. That was one I learned. But (laughs) it hasn't changed my behavior. Um, Yeah, listen, I... I, By the way,
1: people know that. When you apologize and you don't change, people know that.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, the apology becomes... the, the, The apology is changing, right, ultimately. Otherwise, it's just, yeah, repeating.
1: Well, people think you're inauthentic when you apologize and you don't change. Because you're not really sorry.
2: Well, no, I am really sorry. That's the problem. But I'm trapped in this, this flesh suit, right, with the emotions. And that's, 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 that's why.
1: But what I'm trying to get you to realize is you're not trapped. That's a story. It feels like you're trapped. I get it because the emotion is so strong. And you've practiced this one habit for so long. But at the end of the day, you Richard are responsible for your life and your actions and believe it or not, your emotions. So, yep. You're not trapped. You're allowing this pattern to continue. Maybe you're going to change it though. Now, and that's what I want to get to. I'm not here to judge you. I'm I want to serve you. I'm giving you a little cold medicine or strong medicine. Because I think that's the best way to help you in this moment. So I want to know what you're going to change, if you're going to change.
2: I've gone through a lot of change, like a lot of change, right? And this is a, you know, it's an important change. Don't get me wrong, but one in a series of important changes. Wonderful. And, you know, this is what I'm trying to communicate is like, okay, you asked me the question and I get it and my answer is I don't know
0: I really don't know
2: right I'm willing to change I have the willingness but I just don't know but I think you know it it does come back to my father you know because I am repeating that and when you say what I'm going to do is I don't know how people act like that because I've never really received that mentorship somewhat I haven't seen in my own home in my relationships right it's been a bitch of a life in one sense right
3: mm-hmm.
2: and that that's why you know i call you because you I see you in these interviews and talking and your manner and your everything and obviously i don't know you i don't know your background i don't know if you've changed or this is always your style you know i, <laughs> I, I would love i mean look i'm i'm looking for advice like i'm here to change right don't get yeah. me wrong Okay. But the room's dark. There may be a door there somewhere. I've been stumbling around in the dark, bumping my head, saying, sorry, 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 every time I bump my head in the dark. But where the hell is the door? <laughs> you know?
1: So I've told you a few things I do. And yeah. I'm not you, right? So part of, part of your gift is going to be finding your own door. And we all have different journeys, like Stephen and I. So doors for me. You know, I I meditate twice a day. I do the ice bath. I do Wim Hof breathing technique, not every day. I train hard. I beat the shit out of pillows. I box. And guess what? Sometimes I still fuck it up. Pretty darn bad. Right? So, I don't want you to have a false uh, standard for yourself. But I think you will find some peace of mind, not in a month, not in six months, but today, right now, if you commit to trying something new that has the potential to change something for you. So that's why I'm asking, not for, not for your life story, because we're talking about changing your life story. So, true happiness comes from growth. If you make a decision right now, and it can be small, if it has something to do with your father, it might be, hey, I'm gonna find the best fucking therapist I can and work with them. It might be, I'm gonna beat the shit out of a pillow to get my anger out. Something, you have to make some step now. And you will find some peace of mind from moving in the right direction. It may not ultimately be the thing that changes. It may not be the door. It may be another wall. Maybe hitting the hitting the box and go. You hurt your hand. I don't fucking know. But then you'll know that doesn't work, and you'll try something else. Edison failed what? How many times he tried to make that light bulb? Like ten thousand or something. And he said every time he failed, he said, oh, "I just know another way not to make the light bulb." It's a step on the way. So. I'm not interested in you telling me your old story. I'm interested in you telling me your new story and taking some action or some commitment, making a commitment right here on record, <laughs> right? Of, of moving in some sort of a new direction, like disrupting yourself. I've given you three or four or five things that could be. I'm not saying any of those are right. Maybe it's something you know. But what is it?
2: So what I'm going to do when I feel that coming on, I, I'm going to take deep breath and perhaps end the call, walk out the room, whatever, or just ask a question rather than going on about it. Why is this happening? What's the reason? What That's basically my catchphrase. What is the reason for this? Hmm. To allow the other person to give me the answer. And wonderful. Because I don't need to hear my judgment, don't need to hear my rants, don't do that. I go, okay, I thought I thought this was solved, or we knew this was a problem. What's the reason for this? Stop. Let's find wonderful. New pattern. Good. I get the point. That was very good, Mike. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Richard. You're a wonderful man. You know, and I don't want you to have to live the rest of your days with it. Like you said, it's going to end you. So. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know if that's gonna cure it all, but it's a step. And maybe you need to take a bunch of steps. We'll see. But I'm happy you're 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 changing something in your life.
2: Perfect. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: Hey, go get it. Look, the last thing is this thing, this pattern, which is all it is, okay? You're not fucked up. You don't have a disease. You don't have a disorder. You don't It's a pattern, it's a habit that you've practiced for years. You can change any habit, okay? So your soul and who you are is way bigger than this habit. Way bigger. This is something that can be changed. People have changed. The things this guy told us about changing are bigger than this. Sure, yeah. So you can do it and you've, you are mentioned I didn't let you finish, okay? But you mentioned you've already changed a lot, so I want you to build on the momentum of your successes because you have grown a lot from what I'm hearing, and you will overcome this, okay? Don't make it a story and don't make it identity. It's not who you are. Got it. It's not a disease that you were born. It's a habit and it's your responsibility to change it. And I believe you will. Thank you. Thank you. I love you, bro. Keep going. Love you guys too. Cheers. Thanks, Richard. Let's
2: go. See you guys.